0: Somebody said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about seeing Shekinah. Seeing the Shekinah. You may not know even what that means, but I'll explain it here in a minute. But seeing the Shekinah, what does it mean to go from glory to glory in the Christian life? Acts chapter 9, verse 3. What is behind the curtain of your Christianity? What's behind the curtain? of your Christianity. Remember the uh, old movie Wizard of Oz? And we've got a picture here on the screen. Remember that old movie Wizard of Oz where if they finally, Dorothy gets there and they see the guy and it's this big green head and it's, you know, all these smoke and he's, ah, you know, it's scary. And then what happens? They peer behind the curtain and then they realize what? It's just a man. It's just a bunch of stuff. And it looked like there was this awesome power. But when you peered behind the veil, there was just man there. It was just contraptions, it was just a show. You know, and I fear that in American Christianity, that is exactly what church has become. That's what many, many people's Christianity has really become. For if we were to strip away today, all of the production of popular pastors and coming for a pastor's sermon, or if we were to strip a day the worship teams and the bands or the Christian musics, and we were to strip away the programs, and we were just to get behind the curtain of individuals and look behind it and say, how is your devotional life? And how is your prayer life? And do you have that same power that you rely on the church to have? Do you have that same power behind the veil of your individual Christianity? If I was to look at our Christian and say, do you individual have faith behind the veil to move mountains? Do you individually behind the veil have the glory that we experience when we come together? Is that in your Christianity? Or is it simply something that we've come to a production and we sense something, we feel that emotion, and and we see this glory, but if we were to strip it all away, what really remains? Is it just a man? Is it just contraptions of religious operation? Is it just ballads from bands? Is it just simply programs? Is it all about pastors and church services? And if we were to take away Sunday out of your life, What is behind the veil of your Christianity? I think many people have become disillusioned in American Christianity today because they've seen behind the curtain, and it's all dull, and it's all dim. They know us outside of Sunday service. You see, in America today, since 2007... Secularism has doubled. Just in, since 2007, the Pew Research Center says that people identifying as nuns, no religion affiliation at all, uh, went from uh, just 15% to 30% today in 2021. 30% of Americans have no religious belief or affiliation. That doubled just in the last few years. 63% of Americans, they'll say they're a Christian, they still say they're a Christian, but only 25% of them attend a service weekly. And today, half of all Protestants, that's us, evangelical Protestants, only half of us attend more than once a month. Only half of us in America who self identify as Protestant, non Catholic, attend church more than once a month. What's behind the veil? See, the world knows it's just a man. It's just religious. This means that the Bible said the word Ichabod means the glory is gone. And that's my question today. Where's the glory gone? It means as a church member in America today, you can believe that you love God, but you can actually not even know him. You can believe you serve God, but you'll fail to really know what he wants you to do. So many people believe they know God, they love God, but they don't know him. They love him, they say, but they don't know him. They, they believe that they're serving him in front of the veil, and the curtain, but behind the veil, they don't even know what he wants them to do. See, I'm here this morning to help realign us to this real thing called Christianity. And I believe today there's still a Christianity that can still behold the real, authentic glory of God and can still transform a person from glory to glory. That glory is in the person Jesus Christ and in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, what's behind the curtain of your Christianity? Because I want to go from glory to glory. What does that mean? Let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Seeing Shekinah. So, uh, Saul was a man. We just saw him in this previous chapter. One of the first deacons, one of the first servants, Stephen stood there before the high council, and, and as he was being stoned, he looked up, and the Bible says that he beheld the glory of Jesus Christ sitting at the, standing at the right hand of the Father. And no one else saw it. They just closed their ears, and they just began to hurl things at him. And they laid their coats at a man, a young man by the name of Saul. Saul became so intent on persecuting this way. They called it the way. It wasn't Christianity, then it was called the way, because Jesus is the way. he began uttering every threat, everything that came out of his mouth was cursing these believers. And he went to the high priest and he got permission to go to Damascus and uh, to arrest men and women, which was unusual. He was so against it, it wasn't just arresting the men who were the leaders of the home. He was willing to arrest moms with kids, which was really, really bad. And on the way... He found the way. All right, look with me. Not Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light, somebody say a light, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter this city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless. They heard the voice, but they saw no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, in Acts chapter 26, Paul will say a little bit more about this. And he basically says, he says, man, I saw this light that was brighter than the sun. And Jesus says, Paul, isn't it hard to kick against the goads? Like an ox, uh, they had like spikes, you know, on the trial. And he's like, isn't it hard to kick against this? He says, I'm calling you to go to the Gentiles, to show them the light of the gospel, to take them from darkness and into light. I'm calling you, Paul, which we, we know him as Paul, but he'll be in Saul in this chapter. He says there's going to be a guy named Ananias to come. And so the Lord speaks to Ananias, and he says, Ananias, go to this street and this house and this place and this time and lay hands on Saul, and he's going to receive the Holy Spirit. So Ananias boldly does. He goes there, he lays hands on Saul. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Something like scales falls off his eyes. And from that day forward, he began to preach and argue Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the Christ. He beheld the glory of God, and then he was transformed by it, never to be the same. And his life began to go from glory to glory to glory until one day it finally got to the fullness of glory in his presence. So what does that look like for you and for me? You see, Saul believed he loved God. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the man. He was studying on the, under the top leader of the country, the top teacher and lawyer of the country. He was the man, up and coming, rising star in, in Judaism, in the schools of thought there. He believed. He loved the Lord. I'm doing this for God. He believed he loved God, but he didn't know God. He believed he was serving God, but he really didn't know God's will. God had to say, this is what I want you to do, and this is who I am. You see, it was Stephen who saw the glory and was lifted up, but when Saul saw the glory, he was brought low. What is this glory? What is this glory? In the Bible, glory means the weight. Like we measure the value of something in gold by weight. Glory is the weight, the value of God's presence. In fact, it's really uh, teamed with the word light, like gold would radiate. A uh, sun has glory. The sun shines, and there's this power, this heat that comes off of it, and it brings life. And the glory of God is the weight, the light of His presence, and we, we see that in a uh, And the radiance of God's presence, the shining light of God's presence, that's the glory. And glory is also given to kings. It's their royal splendor, their regalia. When a king comes in in great robes and riches and gold, you're like, whoa, look at that. The glory off of that person. It's the radiance of their presence. And it's identified glory and presence are very close together because it's the shining light of his presence. It's the radiant splendor, the majesty of the king's presence. And the glory rested, remember this, the glory rested on the Mount of Sinai, and it shook and fire came out, and Moses went up there, and the glory descended over the tabernacle in a cloud, and then the glory rested in the temple, and then the glory was in the bush with Moses. It was always a light, it was a fire, it was a presence. Well, we tag another word on that called Shekinah. Shekinah is a word that happened after the Bible in the Jewish uh, Talmud. It was something the Jews came up with because they didn't want to say God's name. So they started saying Shekinah when they meant the dwelling of his presence. When the presence of the glory of God came down and dwelt on the mountain, that's Shekinah. When the glory came down in the bush of Moses and fire, it rested in the bush, that was Shekinah. When the glory filled the temple and you couldn't go in, guess what, you couldn't even see it because God had to put a cloud in front of it Because if you had saw the dwelling presence of God, you would have died. Remember Moses, when he went up and he saw the presence of God, uh, he he was in a cloud at first. But then he said, show me your glory. And God put him in a cliff and he walked behind, you know, kind of put something and veiled in front of him. Because if he saw it, he would die. Then what happened? Remember, his face glowed. It radiated. So the radiance of his splendor came off on Moses. and, And this is what we see here. Stephen saw it and lifted him up. Saul saw it. It cast him down. The glory, the radiance, the Shekinah. Because here's why. John says that Jesus was the word who became flesh and he shekined. He dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That day what Stephen saw and Saul saw on their two different accounts they saw what Moses saw on Sinai in the bush they saw what was behind the veil in the tabernacle and the temple they saw it unveiled the Shekinah glory of God and John says it was in Jesus Jesus is the full manifestation of God's glory come to dwell to Shekinah with us. And when Saul saw it day, he said, woe is me like Isaiah, I am a man of unclean lips. And that glory came and touched him and he could do nothing but fall down as a dead man. Because the light of God's glory is not something just physical like we see the sun, but it's a spiritual thing. It's something that affects the heart, it affects the mind, it affects the soul, it affects the body. And when you are in the presence of God, it is not just something you see like a man moving some machinery to produce some production. But when true, unfiltered glory is seen and felt, it touches the soul. It is the presence of God that goes to the deepest parts that every person who sees it, when they beheld it, they are changed by it. This is the glory of God. It was not just Jesus in a bright light. There was the tangible Shekinah presence of God that no man can stand before. When he saw that, he was emptied of self. He was emptied of self, didn't even eat. And God revealed to him how much he really didn't see, how much he really didn't understand, how much he really didn't know. He was emptied. I thought I knew you, but now I see you. I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do, but now I understand what you want me to do. You see, everything is laid bare in the glory of God. Everything is emptied. Everything of self disappears in the glory of God. Just like we sang earlier. How many still today, even in the church, have not truly beheld what's really behind the curtain? They've really not seen or experienced The glory of God. They believe they love God, but they don't really know him. They believe they serve him, but they don't even know his will for their life. They've only seen the production of Christianity, a religious show. But what's behind the curtain of your Christianity? Look with me in 2 Corinthians 3.13. I want to switch here and talk about this experience with Saul in a different way because he wrote about it to the Corinthians. And I want to make this come home to us. You see, Paul, he would later be known in the Greek, he talked about the unveiled glory of Jesus that he saw that very day. And here's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Because this glory that he experienced on the road is available for you and for me. How does that work? Let me show you. He says, And we're not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so the sons of Israel would not look intently at what was fading away. Their minds were hardened until this very day when they read the Old Covenant. The same veil even remains unlifted because it is removed only in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lives over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now look, this is verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Okay? The Lord is the Spirit. Who's the Lord? Jesus. Who's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, behold. There's that word, behold, as a mirror. The glory of the Lord. And are being transformed in the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Okay, what does that mean? give you three things this morning. Number one, he said there's a veiling. There's a veiling of the glory. People who don't understand what in the world we're talking about even right now. There's a veil glory. Those who don't fully behold the Shekinah glory of God in Jesus. They have a veil. So there's three things that Paul lists a veil in his writings, and here's a few of them. Number one, he says, This is like the blindness that Satan inflicts on people in this age. They cannot believe that Jesus is more than a man. That he's not, they can't believe that he's the Son of God, that he's alive from the dead. But when you talk about the resurrection and Jesus is alive, they get all kind of weird at you at work and at school or in the politics and the, the arena of the world. People talk about God all they want. But when you talk about a risen, resurrected Savior, they're like, Ah, I don't know about that. No, 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 no. We don't want to go there. Let's just pray in God's name. Well, they don't know we talk about Jesus. You notice this? There's a veil. The, the, the God of this age, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts, so they will not see him for who he is. There's a veil over their face. Number two, he says, this also veil in Philippians chapter three, he says, this is our confidence in the flesh. You can get to a place in your life where you're just coming to the performance of Christianity. You're coming to Wizard of Oz and you want a good show. You want to leave feeling like you got some goosebumps today, and you wanna you wanna have a program and a checklist so you know if you're gonna make heaven. If I do this and I do that and I do that and do that, then God'll love me and I'll, I'll get this. Then I can go do my own life. I want the minimum level of what it takes to be a Christian. I just want to know if I pay my tithes, if I don't do this and I don't do that, and if I try to be a good person, and if I go to church enough that the pastor doesn't bother me or worry about me, then I'll be okay. That's confidence in your work. And that you have come to a curtain and you say, I don't really want to go beyond the curtain. I just want the show and the performance and the religion. I have confidence that I've come here today and that's great and I'm going to go home and do my thing. That's confidence in the flesh. And he says, this is another veil. It's works of self-righteousness to justify yourself by your own actions. It's to trust in your religious structure, your routine, your rules, even your own moral code. It's to depend on yourself more than you depend on God actually taking you to a place your flesh is uncomfortable with. Come on. I said it a few weeks ago, God wants to do more in you than your flesh is comfortable with. God wants to give you more of his spirit than your flesh is comfortable with. He wants to take you beyond the veil from glory to glory into his presence until you are undone. He loves you that much. This is for your best, your benefit. Your blessings is for you. This is what he wants for you. But we like the veil. And the third veil is the fleshly appetite that we often make our God. This is the things that, the thorns that choke out the Word of God. These are the things that our roots don't grow deep. This is setting our mind on earthly things like the desires of what I want in this world. And the things I, I want to have, it's the pride of being in control of my life and filling my life with worldly things and not sacrificing them so that I can attain more of God. That's the third veil. And he says, these people who are like this, they don't have the freedom that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. They have a veil over them that they cannot see how God can begin to do their holiness in them. They they have a veil and they are bound to fleshly works and fleshly appetites and they're not living in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. They haven't really seen the true light of the gospel in the grace of Jesus Christ. He says, this is like Israel, they were dim. They were dim to the glory. They were dead to the glory. They did not see it. They only saw it in a veil. So there's a veil. Number two, there's veil glory. Number two, there's beholding the glory. These people just wanted a man behind the curtain. You see, Moses had seen the glory of God on the Mount Sinai, and he saw enough of it. That he said, I've got to have some more of that. And so he comes back down, and later on he says, Now, God, you can't take us from this place. Show me your glory. Glory. He'd already seen it once, but it was in a cloud. He wanted it unfiltered, without a cloud. I want to see more of you. I mean, what is it about God? That when you see him, you want to see him again? That's something cool. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I don't see that much in American Christianity. I had one enough, I had church once this month. That's good enough for me. You didn't see glory. You saw a curtain. You saw a show. Because if you see God, you want to come back. You You want more. You want more. You want more. You want more. And so Moses said, show me your glory. And so he goes up there, shows me glory, comes back down, his face is radiant, and they said, whoa, wait a minute, that's a little too much. You're a little too crazy, Moses, a little too charismatic, maybe you're Pentecostal. I don't know what's going on with you, Moses, put something over that face of yours. He wasn't ugly, I don't know if he was or not, but he said, they said, put a veil over that face, because why? When he came down, he was reflecting the radiance of God, the presence of God was in him and on him and with him, and when he came, guess what it did? It started exposing things. Ooh, I don't want to go there. That's going to make me undone. Roses. It says they feared him. They feared him. They feared what that glory might show in their own life. Because why? Because Romans says that we have all fallen short of the glory. Ah, there it is. Paul wrote it in another place. When the glory comes in, you're undone. There's nothing left. It's just God and you. Like Pastor Christian literally just said that a few minutes ago. There's nothing left. It's just you and God. When I've fallen short of the glory, man, I see that. I'm not even there. I can't go behind that curtain unless someone takes me. And that person is Jesus. You see, they wanted to behold the glory. Stephen saw it and lifted him up. Stephen, he wanted to be where the glory was. And Saul smacked him down. Look at that, two contrasting men. Oh, I see it and I want more of it. Saul, so, I got it just wiped him blind. Nothing. And they were left undone. Isaiah saw it. He said, woe is me. You see, Ephesians 5, Paul wrote later and he said, but all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And for this reason, it says, awake sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You see, if there's a veil and the veil comes away, you come to Jesus and you behold his glory and his glory shines on you. You say, wow, woe is me. I'm not a person who's worthy of any of this. But yet you're coming and he begins to show you things and reveal that he is alive, that you are a sinner, that you are not worthy, but he is. And he begins to call out your name and he says, come up a little higher. You're like, I can't do that. He's like, that's right, you can't but you have to see that you're a sinner and you're saved by grace and it's only by my work on the cross that you can come this far. But you've got to be willing to get undone when you behold him. Everything has to become visible in the light of God's glory. So you have a veil to behold him as to let his light shine on you and to become undone. And then the next part is unfading glory. You see, there's the veiled glory, there's beholding glory, and now there's unfading glory. You see, the moon doesn't actually have light in itself. You know this, right? You learn this now in elementary school. The moon is not a real light. It's reflecting off of what? The sun. And Saul's life began to reflect from that day on the glory that he experienced. How did he experience that glory? Not only did he experience the light shining on him that smacked him to the ground and made him fast for three days and putting his spiritual blindness became physical blindness until God had someone come pray for him. What did Ananias do? And Ananias comes in, Brother Saul... God sent me here to pray for you. And he laid hands on him. When we, in the Bible, when we talk about laying hands on him, it's never about salvation. It's always about the transfer of anointing. You lay hands on someone to anoint them. And when he anointed him for the commissioning work that Jesus had for him to do, his eyes opened, scales fell off, the scales of his old religion. And then Ananias says, I've come to lay hands on you so you can receive or be filled with the Holy Spirit. In that moment, as he laid hands on Saul, we know from our later texts that Saul spoke in tongues, that he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like the apostles did on the day of Pentecost, and just like the Samaritans did, just a chapter or two before. He received the power of the Holy Spirit, so guess what Paul is saying? He said, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. Why? Because that same, she- listen to me, the same Shekinah glory he saw that struck him down now came in and immersed him into his heart. He says, The Lord is the Spirit and that same Shekinah glory that rested on the mountain. Are you getting this? The same Shekinah glory that was in the fiery bush, the same Shekinah glory that was in behind the cloud in the temple, in the tabernacle, on the Ark of the Covenant. He says the Lord was that glory and the Lord is the Spirit and now he was baptized, immersed, indwelled in the Spirit of God. That's why he later said, guys, don't you know you are tabernacles, dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. The Shekinah glory dwells in you. So, how can you not go from glory to glory? For glory is in you. It's in you. There's no such thing as dull, dead Christianity. You either are in the glory or you don't got it. You're coming to a show. And we're just moving some levers for you. But if you want to get behind the veil, humble yourself, see Jesus for who he is, experience his presence on the inside of yourself and just watch the transformation happen. Man, there is nothing like going from glory to glory. When I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a teenager in high school, I have never been the same since, let me tell you. Has it been hard? Yes. Do I feel dead on certain days? Yes. Do I struggle in my faith? Yes. But let me tell you something, I have never looked back. Because once you've tasted and seen how good the Lord is, there's nothing else that compares. There's nothing else that compares. I want more of Him. I want more. I'm not satisfied like Moses. I'm not satisfied with just having what I have. And I don't have to be satisfied. That's His promise to take you from glory to glory. You see, that same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, the radiance of His glory, the Shekinah dwelling of His presence has come to be in us. There is no dull and dim Christian life. There was only a forward-moving call and an upward-moving call. Paul says, I haven't even attained it yet. I haven't become perfect yet, but I press on that I may lay hold of that, which also was laid hold of that by Christ Jesus. He's saying, Christ got a hold of me that day. On that road, Christ got a hold of me, and then he came in me, and I'm pressing on every day to just grasp some more of the thing that grasped me that day. He got a hold of my life that day, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to get a hold of him. Man, that's a call. That's a forward-moving. I preached a message just a few weeks ago about being simply saved. You can't just be simply saved, and I got saved, and that's enough, and that's done. No, there is a forward-moving, yearning, desiring of His presence. And if you don't have that, I will ask you to question your salvation with fear and trembling, so that you can know that you have something that has gotten a hold of you, and you have a life trying to get a hold of it. Will you fail and falter and struggle and strife and will the enemy come against you and will you doubt and, I mean, you'll have to grit. There'll be days where you don't feel good and don't feel like it, but there's gotta be something that it's like, oh, I gotta fight through this to get some more of him. There's a grit that we need today that just says, I don't care what it takes or how bad of a person I've been this week. I know Jesus is real. He's alive and devil and flesh. You can go to hell where you belong. I'm going to Jesus. That's New Testament, early church Christianity. If you want to go sing some songs, a few hymns, and go home, and just the same way you came, you can go to another church. I'm sure there's plenty around. But I want to know the glory of God. And I don't want to know it just on Sundays. I want to know it every day behind the curtain in my personal life with Him. Close with this. If you don't see the moon out at night, what does that mean? If you don't see the moon out at night, what does that mean? It means the moon has crashed and it's not there anymore. No. It means the earth's shadow is blocking it from the sun. I think that's really where a lot of people are right now. I don't see the radiance reflecting. Moses reflected. He reflected. Saul, Paul began to reflect. Began to reflect. Jesus' life became his life. He began to reflect the nature of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom, the love. All of that stuff began to, it wasn't him, began to reflect. See, if you are in the presence of God, you'll reflect the presence of God. If you are seeing the presence of God in your daily prayer life, you'll reflect the presence of God in your work life, in your family life, in your home life. You'll begin to reflect what you're seeing. Well, if I don't see it, what does that mean? If I don't have that reflection, it means I have something blocking. There's a shadow. There's a veil. There's something that's keeping me from being in the presence of God and it's shining on me. Because if it is shining on you, you will naturally reflect His patience, His love, His kindness, His faith, His power, His wisdom, His knowledge. You'll have the fruit of the Holy Spirit come out of you. You'll have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God will begin to use you in words of wisdom and knowledge and even prophecy, tongues, interpretation, faith, healing, miracles. Those are all the gifts in Corinthians. Paul says, just come out of the church. The Holy Spirit gives to each one as He wills. It just reflects on them. They're not doing it, but the Lord is doing it. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, guess what? There's freedom. There's liberty. He can do what He wants. He's God. And we just need to be vessels, mirrors. Just empty mirrors, clean things that are just unfading. The veil's gone and say, Lord, shine on me in my prayer life. Shine on me in my Bible devotional time. Shine on me in my quiet time with you. And then the gifts will come. Then the fruit will come. The wisdom will come. The patience. All those things will begin to come. So what's that mean for me? I want to get out of the shadows. I want to come into the light. Let everything he wants to do be exposed. Sometimes we don't want to come into the light because we're like, ah, that's uncomfortable. He's going to talk to me about my past. He's going to make me have to forgive that person. He's going to, he's going to tell me he's going to do things I'm not comfortable with. He's going to talk to me about some hurt I did to somebody else. He's going to begin to show me things. Why? He wants you to reflect him. He wants you to get all that out so that you can be used for the purpose you are meant to be used for. Don't you understand me this morning. God wants to do something great in you. He wants to use you and do more things with your life than you ever thought possible. But you've got to come out of the shadow. Say, God. I want to behold your glory, expose anything in me. Search me and know me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation that I might teach sinners your ways. That's David's heart. When he sinned, he's like, God, ah, I see this. You did something. Oh, I gotta step out, Lord. I'm so sorry. Cleanse me. Restore me. Fill me. Now use me. You just stand with me this morning, all across this room. No one lights a lamp and puts it away in a cellar or under a basket. They put it on a lampstand so others may see the light. What's behind the curtain of your Christianity? This is not something I can do for you or a worship team can do for you. But it's you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just right here, right now. Just you and Jesus. What's behind the curtain of your Christianity? Are you beholding? The glory of God. Is His dwelling presence shining on you? Or maybe there's things that God wants you to just step out this morning and say, God, I want to come into the light. Whatever it is, God. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means I'm wanting to be in all of you. Jesus, I'm willing, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you something. I've been in ministry for upteen years now. I've been saved two decades more Every day, every week, I have to come into the light. Every day, I'm, I'm asking God to expose more things. It's not like we're comparing, contrasting here. Who's who's got more shadows? We're all got stuff we got to deal with, church. We just got to be open and honest with the Lord. He wants to do great things with you. And it's the devil that tricked Adam and Eve to stay in the shadows, hide behind the veil, stay behind the fig leaf. Don't come out. Don't listen to his voice. But God says, Adam, Eve, come. What are you doing? Where have you been? I want to walk with you. I'll cover you. I'll cleanse that sin. I'll fix your life. Just come out. We can't have fellowship unless you come out. Stop hiding from the Lord. Man, he wants to do some great and mighty things in this church. He wants to open the floodgates of his spirit over this place. If you'll just come out and let him come in. Come out let him come in. You're struggling today. You've needed wisdom. You've needed patience. You've needed things that God to do in your life. He just says, come out so I can come in. Would you just let him in this morning all across this room? We just begin to pray. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you need to know that you know him, I'm going to invite you to come forward and find a place to pray. If you